his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Ask the Expert North Texas podcast. I'm Kristen Diaz. I'm David Rankin. Thank you so much for joining us. It is the shot heard round the world from Politico this morning, talking about an early release of the notes of possibly one of the most controversial decisions in the Supreme Court's recent history, Roe versus Wade, and the possibility that it could be overturned this summer. On Ask the Expert today, we are joined by Professor Joe Kabilke. He's the chair of the Political Science Department and the Altshuler Distinguished Teaching Professor at SMU. Professor, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about this. How big of a deal is this release of the Supreme Court's early drafts of the ruling? There have been leaks from the Supreme Court in the past, but nothing like this, nothing um, uh, involving the and the complete draft of an opinion before it came down. Let's talk about this. Is this like a Google Docs that everybody's got an access to for people who need to be making, you know, their draft onto this? Or how, how does this process work for, for us who have no idea? What the justices do is they meet the Friday after they have oral arguments. They take a vote. Um, the vote determines the cases that they heard earlier in the week. At that time, the senior justice in the majority or the chief justice, if the chief justice is in the majority, um, makes a decision about who will get the opinion assigned to them. So obviously, Alito was the one who got the opinion assigned to him. It's not clear if Roberts was in the majority because the opinion doesn't say anything. It just says first draft of the majority. Uh, doesn't, it's not clear if Roberts was in the majority and if he wasn't, then Clarence Thomas assigned it to Alito. So after that happens, they retire to chambers and over the course of the next month or two, they develop a draft opinion, which circulates among the justices. And that draft opinion is commented upon in memos. There are draft dissents, draft concurrences, justices ask for changes in opinions and the like. So the fact that this is a first draft opinion doesn't mean it's the opinion. It means this is the thing that went out first. Um, Chief Justice Roberts today said that it's a legitimate first draft opinion, but it's not the final draft. And, and he is absolutely right. How has the Supreme Court been so good about keeping these types of opinions out of the public eye for the last 200 years? You had a sense of this from Roberts's press release this morning. There is an intense loyalty that attaches to the institution of the Supreme Court. And while that loyalty ebbs and flows a little bit, um, usually in the uh, context of uh, post hoc uh, releases of information, like think of the Brethren, for example, that kind of a, uh, of a work. Um, the people who work at the court are united, or traditionally are united, in trying to maintain the institutional integrity of it. And part of that is keeping close, uh, closed mouths on what the court's doing. 
Now, this, as you said, is not the first lake. There's been another lake surrounding this same issue. What happened back then? Well, in when the court first decided Roe v. Wade, it was argued in the 1971 term, two justices were not on the court at that time, Black and Harlan had, had left. Um, and their replacements, Rehnquist and Powell, had not been um, on the court for oral arguments. Justice Blackman circulated a majority opinion, uh, and the justices who were in dissent, uh, who at that point were, were Byron White and probably Warren Berger, after the opinion went around, said, you know, we really should re-argue this with nine justices, not just seven. Um, and the people who were in the majority, William Douglas being paramount among them, were furious because they saw this as Berger trying to manipulate the outcome of the case. So Douglas actually prepared a dissent from the order to re-argue the case, and he threatened to publish it. Um, he was eventually dissuaded by Justice Brennan from publishing it, but somehow or another that draft dissent made its way to the Washington Post. So it got publicized um, after, in the summer of 1972. And the court took up Roe in the fall of 1972 and, of course, decided it in January of 1973. There are those that are saying this kind of a leak could either open a, open the gates on the dam for other opinions to come out, or others are saying this is probably the worst thing that could have happened to, to the courts. It's not a good thing, um, for sure. My guess is that this is sort of sui generis in, in the sense that not all cases have the kind of um, impact and a um, sort of political salience that Dobbs has, for example, because of the centrality of abortion in American politics. Um, I also think that the court will redouble its efforts to maintain its security and its secrecy uh, in light of this. No one associated with the court or very few people associated with the court would want to see its institutional uh, integrity dragged through the mud. Um, and it's already taken a number of shots, obviously. I mean, the, the appointments of the last three justices, if you look at them closely, um, two of those appointments are sort of politically suspect in the sense that Merrick Garland never got um, a hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee or have, a, have his nomination voted on. That's how you end up with Neil Gorsuch, the first Trump appointee. And then, of course, Coney Barrett comes on after Ginsburg dies two months before the next presidential election. So the court is in precarious political waters in general, not just because of what it does, but because of its placement in the larger political context now. So I imagine they're really going to work as hard as they possibly can to make sure that this sort of a thing does not happen. I had one other question. Does this also lead to more opinion that the court is politicized because the justices have tried to maintain that the Supreme Court is not a political animal? It makes it more difficult to, to push that argument. Now, on high salience issues, politically salient issues, Donald Trump was looking for a certain kind of justice who would, in fact, reverse um, the abortion right, uh, what we think of as Roe v. Wade. 
he was able to get those those justices through the Senate because at the time the Senate is controlled by uh, Republicans and Mitch McConnell also had that same goal. Okay, now on other issues, the court oftentimes fractures, and so you'll see what are um, usually referred to as conservative justices joining liberal justices, liberal justices joining conservative justices. On these high salience, politically charged issues, however, the courts, the impact of politics on the court is is indisputable. Professor Joe Kabilka is the chair of the political science department at SMU. Professor, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thanks for having me. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.